Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, So normally, I thought today we were going to continue our Praying with Confidence uh, series, but instead I thought it would be better if we just watched a replay of the Steelers game from last night. Does that sound okay to everybody? No, I'm just kidding. I'm wearing my gear today. I was going to wear a jersey, but I thought maybe a little bit more subtle. Um, I, I know we've got different fans of different cities and things like that in here, but, but we were in Pittsburgh, and I don't know, like, last year we missed the playoffs, so this year I just felt like I had to do something. So here I am, showing my pride, and if you were to cut me down today, you would see me. I'd be bleeding black and gold, so proud of my team. We'll see where it goes from here. But no, in reality, we are actually continuing with our Praying with Confidence series, and this series really is all about understanding that we can have this, this life-giving concept in our lives. I think prayer no matter what stream of Christian traditions that we come from, or maybe even other religions, prayer has so many different kind of vague meanings. And, and, and really, but the way that God teaches us in the Bible about prayer is it's, it's this beautiful interaction that we have with our Creator, but it also is a place where we talked like last week, that it's a place where we can intercede and stand in the gap and have heaven come to earth in our lives. And so last week we began by talking about how we can pray effectively, and we learned that really effective prayer is based around the concept of agreeing with what God wants to do already. So prayer is not so much like trying to convince God to do the things that he doesn't want to do in our lives. Like oftentimes we come to him feeling like if I could just convince him and bring my case to him that somehow God's going to maybe get what I want, get, I, he'll give me what I want if I can convince him. It's not so much that as it is realizing that God is already working and trying to accomplish things and he wants us to partner with him and agree with him to bring those things to life. And so our main teaching is from 1 John 5 verses 14 and 15. That sort of lays the foundation for this entire praying with confidence series. Why? Because it says this, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, that he will hear us. And so if we know that he hears us, then we will have we, what we asked of him. So prayer really is all about agreeing with God and what he already wants to do. That's the basics of prayer. Well, this week, what I wanted to do is I wanted to give you some additional tools to be able to give you some content in your prayer. So if you're new to this space and you're saying to yourself, okay, I agree that now I should spend time in prayer. I really don't know what I should be praying for. Today is all about that content concept of it. You know, growing up, I grew up in the church. I, uh, my dad's a pastor, and I've grown up in it, and all throughout my life, I have heard stories of, of great men and women of God who have had powerful prayer times. I've, I remember growing up hearing stories about people who would spend an hour or two in prayer and how, how lives were changed because of their powerful prayer life. Well, I was saved uh, in my mid-teenage years by, and, and within, in a group called Young Life. Anybody ever heard of Young Life? Incredible organization that just reaches teenagers in their schools and then helps helps them find a place to belong, and they introduce Jesus to them. I was in a dark, dark place early on in my life and found Jesus through Young Life, and I'm grateful for that. And so the people who came alongside me early on when I was a new Christian um, taught me, they were discipling me, and they taught me how important it is as a Christian to, have a, to develop the habit, a daily habit of prayer and Bible reading. 
And so what I would do is I said, okay, well, I want to do that. I want to become the disciple. I want to be like my leaders who had a vibrant relationship with God. And so what I would do is the night before, I would, I would write down maybe a couple little requests, prayer requests, things that I thought I should pray for. And I'd get up the next morning or whenever I would have it, maybe at lunch break or whatever during school. And I would sit down and I would pray and I would have a four and a half minute prayer time because I would work through those prayer requests and then I'd be done. And I would think to myself, well, wait a minute. How, how is it that, that, that my dad or other men or women of God that I know have these powerful prayers, how the heck can they pray for 30 minutes or even an hour or even longer for some people? How is that possible? And I had this expectation on my life that, that if I was going to go into my prayer time, that I would come out feeling on fire and excited and I would have that same moment. But I realized that I was going into prayer with these, these requests. So then I would be like, well, maybe I should pray for them again. <laughs> I would repeat myself. And then I would do the same thing. And maybe I'd get six or seven minutes out of it. But that, it just never felt quite the same. And I think the reason for that was because I didn't really know how I was supposed to pray. And maybe you feel the same way. I think most of us sit here in this room and they say, yes, okay, Jared, I have been a Christian for a long time. Or maybe, maybe you're new to the faith, but you heard, you understand that there is an element to your faith that involves um, uh, some kind of practices, spiritual practices. So yes, I realize I should spend time in, in reading the Bible and I should spend time in prayer. And the same thing, that, that, and we know that, and we know that it's true in our relationship. Any relationship with, with a spouse or with a coworker or a friend or anyone you're close to, in order for a relationship to grow, we all know that you have to communicate. So it's not the issue is that we're wondering how, we're not, we're not saying to ourselves, should I pray? But we're more so asking the question of how do I do it? Because I feel like whenever I try, I don't know what to say or I don't know how to do it. And I certainly don't know how to do it for a long period of time. So today what we're going to do is I'm going to teach you some of the, the, the tools that were taught to me and how I have learned over the course of my 20-year relationship with Jesus, how I have come to understand how to have a vibrant prayer life. I am in no way saying that I'm like perfect, but I look at Paul in the Bible, and he says, follow me as I follow Christ, and I'm just trying to do the best that I can. So what I'm saying to you as the church here, okay? God has appointed me as a leader of this church, and what I'm saying is, is I want to teach you what God has taught me, okay? So hear that out of, out of humility, but, but I'm trying to teach you something that, that I have seen evidenced in my life. So we're going to start with a big idea today. This is the kind of the foundation for this entire message. You've taken notes, pulled it out of your program, and you can write this down. This is the big idea. Nothing will impact my life more than developing a daily habit of prayer. Nothing is going to impact my life or your life more than, than developing a daily habit of prayer. And here's why. When you pray, you impact your soul. And then you begin to live out, out of that space, live out the core of what God is doing in your life. Prayer is the place where you spend time with God and you get alone with him and he begins to transform you. He begins to do things in you in that private space between you and him that cannot be accomplished anywhere else. And what happens is, is because you are changed and transformed in that private space, you then begin to live out of that what God has done in your core, you begin to live that out publicly. Prayer transforms your soul, but it also transforms your world in a few ways. One, it clarifies your perspective. 
Oftentimes, I am feeling particularly uh, bound by what's going on in my life. Sometimes my problems seem so big, and so when I pray, it gives me a different perspective. It clarifies things, that things are not as bad or as difficult as I feel that they are. Prayer will lift my burdens. It, it makes me feel, again, similarly with perspective, that the things that are weighing me down, when I go to God in prayer and I, I, tear, I can share it with him, Even if nothing dramatically happens in that moment, the fact that I was at least being able to be honest and share that lifts a burden because now two people are carrying that same burden. Prayer also makes our conscience become clearer, our consciences. You know, there's something about spending time in a place where we can say, God, I'm messing up. I'm not doing right. I want to be better. And even though, again, like it's a process and every day, a step that we take, one, two, three, you know, we may look back over the long period of time and see that maybe our lives have been dramatically changed, but in the moment, not necessarily, you know, dramatic change, but, but even that space of just spending time in prayer with God allows our consciences to become clear and we can move forward free of guilt. And one other thing that it does is that the power of God becomes released in our lives. When we, when we go to him and we open up our lives and we say, God, would you transform me? Would you change me? His power then becomes in your life because you're agreeing with what he wants to do. His power can then begin to flow in your life and things will happen and things will change and prayers are answered and you'll begin to feel the companionship of God and it's a wonderful thing. So developing the habit of prayer in your life is incredibly important. It's going to make you a better husband. It's going to make you a better wife. It's going to make you a better father or a better mom. It's going to make you a better brother or sister. It's going to help you become better in life at everything that you are and that what you have made to be. And I can tell you this, that when you spend time with God, people can tell. My wife, Heather, may not say it, but she can tell when I have not been reading my Bible and I have not been praying, right? She, she may not come to me and she may not say to me, Jared, have you, been, have you not been reading your Bible? But I become crabby. I become moody. My, my whole perspective changes. Why? Because the same thing we just talked about. If I haven't been spending time with God throughout the week, you know, the situations that I'm facing, the pressures begin to weigh on me. And then I begin to have a short fuse with my wife and we send, seem to bicker with each other. And, and the same thing is true with my kids. But when I spend time with God, when I get away in my room and I close the door and I read God's word and I say, God, would you speak to me? And I, I just pour my heart out to him and I spend time with him, listening to him. And he just, the spirit of God just kind of comes through and, and, and just all those things we talked about. When I walk out of that room, it's like I'm a different person. And that's the beauty of what prayer does. When we meet the creator of the universe. He has the ability to calm us in the middle of our greatest storms. Spending time with God can change everything. That's why it's so important. So then the question is, how do we pray effectively? How do we pray consistently? How can we do that? Well, Jesus' disciples wanted to know the same thing. They asked the question. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, would you teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples? So John had, had, had known for being a disciple or teaching his disciples how to pray. And, and his, Jesus' disciples saw John's disciples doing that. And so they came to Jesus and said, we just saw you coming out of your place, wherever Jesus was, whether he was in a garden or he was in his house. They knew, hey, Jesus is having his private prayer time. And then when Jesus opened the door, his disciples were like, can you teach us? And so Jesus then said, yes, let me model for you what your life should be like. But here's the thing. 
If you want the good things that prayer offers, right? So we've talked about last week about agreeing with God and how powerful that is. If you want that in your life, that's great. If you want the clear conscience and you want the, the burdens to be lifted, you want all of those things to happen on a regular basis. I mean, most of us would say, yes, that's what I want. But it's not going to happen consistently unless you build a plan, right? Anything that, that needs to be developed in our lives only happens when we have a plan that's worth working through. And so Jesus talks to his disciples and he gives us a pattern for prayer that is actually out of one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture. It's called the Lord's Prayer. And we've visited this passage before, and some of this may be familiar to you. But in Matthew chapter 6, if you guys would open up your Bibles to Matthew 6, verse 9 through 13, we get what's called the Lord's Prayer. This is probably one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture. And it's rightly so, because it, it, contain, it contains so much that allows us to be able to tap into the principles that will help us to have a vibrant daily relationship with Jesus. This is what it says. So it's disciples just said, would you teach us how to pray like you just did? Jesus then turns around and says, yes, this is how you should pray. And this is where he starts in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, most oftentimes, we think that we should quote this verse. Commonly, most people would say, especially if you come from a Catholic tradition, you know, you have spoken this particular passage of Scripture over and over and over and over again. And it's okay to quote it because it's Scripture. And again, when we pray God's promises, when we pray God's word, there's something that happens in there. But I believe what Jesus was saying was he was trying to give them a lesson wrapped up, like Jesus often did in parables and stories. He wasn't saying literally this, but there are principles within this that we can pray, elements that should be included in our prayer time. So before we kind of move into those, I want to challenge you this week. This is, this is Jared, your pastor, now calling you guys out onto the carpet and giving you a challenge, okay? What I would like to challenge each of you to do is over the next seven days, so from Sunday to Sunday, I want to challenge each of you to commit to trying to pray for 10 to 15 minutes. 10 to 15 minutes. Now, you're going to say to me, Jared, how the heck am I going to be able to do that if I don't even know how to pray for more than one minute or two minutes at a time? Well, the good news is, is that I wouldn't give you a challenge without trying to give you the tools to make it happen. So here's how we're going to do it. If you spend one minute, one and a half to three minutes on each of the six different elements that Jesus talks about in this prayer, you will end up with 10 to 15 minutes. So we're going to, we're going to cover real quickly in the rest of the service today, the six elements of prayer that come out out of the Lord's Prayer. And if you just spend one and a half to three minutes on each of these elements in your prayer life, you will have 15 minutes of prayer. Seriously, it's the way it's going to work. So I want to challenge you to try this this week, okay? Just find some time, particularly in the morning or at your lunch break or just when you get home, whatever, just take and set aside some time and work through this. All right, so here we go. The first element of effective prayer is worship. If you're taking notes, it's on your note pages, worship. Worship is an exercise in value and in perspective. Okay, so what we're saying is I'm focusing on who he is. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
what they're basically saying there is we're worshiping God. Some people who have ever prayed with me will notice and realize that I start off almost all my prayers with a concept of glorifying who God is. God, you are good. Thank you so much for being the Savior. Thank you for not leaving me in the dirt. Thank you for not leaving me broken. Whatever it is you want to say, right? The concept of this is that in this relationship, we are saying, God, we're your children. And because we are your children, we have intimacy. We have the ability to come to, you're not just some statue on the wall. You're not a picture in a frame. You're not just some weird, vague thing. You are a God who is personal. Father, you're my dad. And because of that, there are rights. You have the rights to authority. All of heaven is unleashed and is under your control. And because we talked about last week, when we, have, we are children of him, we have that inheritance, we can pray with authority and call heaven to earth. And then there's recognition. Praise to your name, God. You are holy. You're worthy of recognition. You're worthy of praise. Now, why is worship so important? Why is it important? It's because it changes our perspective. It focuses things. Did you know that there are microscopes in, in, there are actual microscopes that can, that can see so far down into the nucleus of cells. I mean, that, that you can see there are microscopes that go so far down, we can see into the very, like, the very smallest parts of what makes up matter. It's incredible. But what happens is in our life, we do the same thing. Oftentimes, we look down into our lives through what we consider like a microscope, and then our problems and everything in our life seems so big and in our face. That's what, that's what microscopes do. You look through the lens, and it magnifies everything, Right? And when, that happens all the time to us. But when we, when we worship, what we're doing is we're actually switching our view from a microscope to a telescope. Now, what happens in a telescope? When you look out into a telescope, into the sky, what we see is how small we really are, right? We see how small human beings are. Our problems are really not much compared to the vastness of the universe and how big God is and how large he is to create it. So what worship does is it reflects a, a change of perspective from the microscopic view of our life to the telescopic view and saying, God, you are good. And so what we say is, God, I am small. My problems are small. They are nothing in comparison with the size of my God. That's worship. When we sing songs to God, we say, you are the cornerstone. You are powerful. You are wonderful. All of these things, it helps us to take the shift of focus off of ourselves and put it onto God who is big. Worship is powerful. There's a great example of this in Psalm 57. Verses four through five, David is the one writing this. And he's, on the, he's on, the, on the run from people who are hunting him. He says, I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. But be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above the earth. You can see this back and forth in David. David was in the middle of this thing saying, I am being hunted. I feel like these men are like lions and they're coming after me. But he stopped and changed his focus to, God, you are great. You are powerful. You be lifted high. And David is known after a man, after God's heart, not because uh, he did anything great, but because he was always one who focused on God and allowed God to transform his circumstances instead of trying to do it himself. Worship is where we should begin our prayer time. So if you just start your prayer, hey God, I just want to let you know I think you're awesome. And maybe tell them a couple reasons why and spend a minute doing that. Perfect. Now you move on. So the next part of our prayer is agreement. We talked about this last week, agreement. So it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what we're saying is, God, I want what you want. 
right? We're not going to spend a ton of time here on this because we did it last week. But the concept here is that we're taking God's word and we're declaring it in our life. It's all about agreeing with what God said he's already wanting to do. So uh, if you guys would pull out your, your, your programs, inside the, the message notes on the back side is uh, prayer declarations. Does everybody have those? Wave them to me. Because I want you, we're going to do something together. What we're going to do is this week, we're going to pray through these together, okay? But actually today, I want to do something different. I'm gonna, we're going to challenge all of us. Would you all stand with me? Let's stand up. We're going to actually declare these together this morning out loud together as a church. And then you'll see the power of what, what these words say. So we're all going to out loud together. Just read them off your page. We're going to go one at a time. And we're going to read them. They'll be on the screen here as well. I believe it's on the next slide, I think, if we can see it come up. Yes. So we have, we have these declarations. Let's just declare. Declare them together as a church, and then this week you'll pray these one each day. All right, ready? I declare your blessing on my location. Pour out your favor and reveal yourself to my home, neighborhood, workplace, and city. Let's pause here for a second. This all comes from Deuteronomy 28, by the way. So if you go and read Deuteronomy 28 this week, you'll see that God says, if you obey my commands, these are the blessings that will come to you. So literally, we're just saying, God, do what you said you're going to do. Excuse me. All right. Next one. I declare your blessing on my ability to produce. Bless the work of my hands. Bless my children and prosper their efforts. Multiply the harvest of my life. Give me multiplied return for all of my investments. I declare your blessing upon the intake of my life and of my family's life. May you protect us from any harm and any disease. May you keep us from any harmful intake of any media, any relationship, or any other source. May the diet of my life and the life of my home be free from destructive influences. Next, I declare your blessing on my direction. May you go before me and prepare the way for my arrival with your favor today in appointments, meetings, etc., May you come behind me and favor the things left undone. I declare your victory over any spiritual attack against me, my home, and all those under my care. Though the enemy comes at me in one direction, may he be so defeated he will flee in seven directions. And finally, I declare that you send a blessing on my finances and possessions and everything that comes from the work of my hands. May you bless me and increase me in the destiny you have for me. Bless me to the degree that I also may overflow with resources for people in need and the advancement of your kingdom. Amen. Let's sit down. So what we just did there as a body is we said, God, we believe that you are true. In Deuteronomy 28, you said, if you obey me wholeheartedly, this is what I will do for you. And what we said is we are now, as children of God, as the inheritance that we have as children of God, we are now saying, I agree with what your your word says. Let these things be done in my life. You guys get that? So every day now, this week, just take one of those things, one of them, and just pray it and say, God, I want this for my life. Your word says it. I believe it's true. Bring it into fruition according to your will. The third element of effective prayer is thanksgiving. I will remember what he has done. It says, give us this day our daily bread. When I think of daily bread, I think, thank you, God, that you gave me something to eat today. And then I'm reminded of all the times that he gave me other things to eat the day before, then the day before, and the day before. 
during this Thanksgiving step, you just thank God for things that he's done in your life. I think sometimes it's hard for us to think about, you know, specific times that God has shown up or done good things in our lives. But when you begin to think of it, other things start opening up. I start thinking about my kids. I think, wow, God, thank you for protecting my children. Uh, Several years ago, my son, I think it was maybe five, six years ago, my son, we come home from Christmas, and my son just likes hanging on things, and he opened up a, a cabinet door, uh, like this sort of cabinet thing we have, and it fell over and hit him in his face, and he has this gash on his face, and he has a permanent scar there. I mean, it could have caused blindness had he hit in another part of his eye. And I think back to that moment sometimes, I think, God, thank you that you provided for my son safety. There have been so many times where my kids go to school and they come home or when I have been driving in a car or, or whatever it might be, I thank God for his protection in my life. I thank God for his provision and how I have a place to, to sleep and a place to, to live. I thank God for my wife and for my kids. There are so many things to be thankful for. So take time in your prayer life to thank God. Worship changes your perspective, but thanksgiving changes your attitude. If you are feeling beaten up in life, when you worship God, it changes your perspective that God can help you. But when we are grateful, when we start thanking God for things, we begin to realize, I don't have it as bad as I thought I did, that God has given me a lot more than I thought he did. Remind yourself of the good things that God has done in your life. The fourth element of effective prayer is request. So the other half of give us this daily bread is, God, I still need more bread right? So the first half was you gave me bread and you have fed me and now it's the new day and now I need more. The concept of this is just saying, God, I, I need things or there are things that I desire. And I think a lot of us, and I've seen this in the almost two years that we've existed as a church, I have met several people who say, I have a hard time praying for things, anything really that I want. It's like, you know, or it's like, well, well I, you know, I've got a broken arm. Well, that's not a big deal. I mean, there are people out there who have much worse than me. And I understand that sentiment. And wherever you came from, it's just not biblical. Okay, I'm not trying to make you feel bad or anything. But what God's word says, right? God says in, in Matthew, I believe it is, where Jesus says that the, the Father in heaven loves his children and wants to give good gifts to his kids. He's, he says, who, if you ask for a snake or ask for an egg, is gonna, his father's going to give him a snake? Who's, who's going to, what kind of a dad is it that if your son asks for something good, you give him something bad instead? No, the Bible teaches that God loves his kids. He loves us and he loves when we ask him for things. He wants us to come to him for the things that we desire in our hearts. So uh, Mark Batterson wrote a book called The Circle Maker. And a few years ago, I read it, and it really changed the concept of prayer for me because the concept of it is, is that all throughout Scripture, we see that when people, excuse me, that when people have, have specifically prayed for something, something specific, and they kind of draw a circle around it, what it does is it, it, it says, God, this is important to me. And because I'm your kid, I know that it's important to you. Now, that doesn't mean that we're always going to get what we want, but what it does mean is that when we pray intentionally, when we pray specifically for things in our lives, that there's something powerful that takes place. It reaches the heart of our dad, of a father in heaven who loves us. But aren't you guys grateful that we don't always get what we want? I mean, most of you are going to go, no, I want what I want all the time. But in reality, if we got what we wanted all the time, I think sometimes we would probably mess things up for ourselves. We'd get ourselves into trouble. I am grateful that when I pray for things that I want, God, I really want a Lamborghini. really want a Lamborghini. And I have not gotten my Lamborghini yet. Maybe he's got a Ferrari waiting for me somewhere instead. I don't know. But for whatever reason, God has decided that the Ferrari or the Lamborghini is not the best thing for me. Perhaps because it might go to my head. Perhaps maybe it would end up being totaled and I'd be, I don't know. Who knows what the reason is. Maybe God has a better plan for my life. 
Maybe he has a better plan for your life. Sometimes when we pray for things that are deep desires in our hearts and we say, God, why aren't you giving me this thing? You're a good father. We sing that song. You're a good, good father. But why haven't you given me this thing that I so deeply desire? And we don't always get a direct answer, but I have to believe, like we said last week, that God is bigger. God is wiser than me. He sees way far down the road that I cannot see. And perhaps the Lamborghini is something that I'm going to need something else instead. I don't know, but for whatever reason, when we pray to God and we have these questions, what we need to say is, God, I'm asking for this, but ultimately I'm trusting for you in the result of what you're going to do with it. I'm trusting you for the result. So we've gone through four effective elements of prayer. The first is worship. The second is agreement. The third is thanksgiving. The fourth is requests. And then we get to confession. It says, forgive us our debts as we also forgive other people. So what this is, is receiving forgiveness and pursuing forgiveness. So what, what this is really talking about here is missing the mark. We use this word in church a lot. It's a Christian word called sin, right? We've all heard this word, God, I sin in my life. If you do this, you have sinned. The concept of sin, and actually the word sin itself means literally missing the mark. So there's two kind of concepts about this, about how it happens. The first is, is guilt. So in confession, what we say is, God, would you forgive me for the things that I've done wrong? This is guilt, okay? Guilt is I've done things that I know I shouldn't have done, and now I'm going to confess those things to God. These are, these are things that I have thought about. These are words that I have spoken. These are actions I have taken. These are choices that I have made that I have willingly known that this is not what I should be doing, okay? That's where guilt comes from. And so when we say you, in this private time of prayer, and you say, God, You've gone through these other spaces, and now you come to a place and you say, God, I, I, I've messed up here. I've done wrong here. And speci- specify them. Speak them out. There is something powerful about calling it out because you can't hide from God, but what you're really trying to do when you don't specify it is you're hiding from yourself. You feel so guilty or ashamed of something, or perhaps you're not willing to take ownership of it that you can't speak it out. No one else is going to hear you but God. But God, I'm, I, I, I watched that movie that I knew I shouldn't have watched, and I did it anyway, and I feel guilty for it. Would you, I, I confess that to you. That's as simple as it is. I choose now to walk in a different way. I receive forgiveness from the cross of what Jesus did. That's the beauty of it is it's always available to us. And repentance, you hear that other word, sin and repentance. Repentance literally means turning in a different direction and walking in a different direction. So that's what we do when we confess. We say, God, I confess my sin to you. These are the things I've done wrong, and I'm sorry for them. I now choose to walk in a different direction in my life. The second thing that it talks about is also forgive those who are my debtors, is this is talking about hurt, hurt. So we need to take an inventory of the people in our lives who have hurt us, people who have burned us, people who have, that we've maybe struggled with bitterness towards. There are people in our lives that, that when their name comes up, something just pinches inside of us, right? We need to, in this also time, we need to say, God, I need your help. I release this person. I now receive your forgiveness through the cross of what you've done for me and my sin, and I now release that same forgiveness in their life. We have to say, God, I release them. I forgive them. And I would even call their name out and say, Susan, I release you. I forgive you. Not calling them personally to do that, but in your own life, it's important for you. Forgiveness is not about you, about them. It's about you. I'm telling you. If you don't forgive people, you live with unforgiveness. You will have bitterness. It will tear you up and it will rot you from the inside out. I promise you. Forgiveness is not just for other people. It's for ourselves. So we ask God to heal our hearts and clear off our minds, and our conscience. If you start every day with a clean conscience, you'll be able to walk freer. You'll feel better about your life. 
And finally, the last element of prayer is declaration. So what we're saying is, is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Align my lips and my life with God's purpose. This last part is important because what we're doing is we're taking something with us the rest of the day. So whatever we do at the end, we're saying all of these things, I've worshiped you, God, and my perspective has changed. I agree with what you're going to do in my life. I want your will in my life on earth. I've thanked you for what you've done. I've requested the things that I need in my own life. I've confessed my sin. My burdens are lifted off of me, but now I will move forward and I will take something with me. And what we're saying is, is God, I believe that it is my destiny to overcome temptation. Because here's the thing. Most of us have said, yeah, I've done this before. I've prayed before. But now I feel like I'm just back to the same place again. Well, this is why the end of this verse is so powerful. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This was Jesus's words. And Jesus said it, meaning that this is possible for every one of us. We can live and overcome the temptations and the things that drag us down. And so we're saying, God, I need you to lead me over it. I declare that the temptations that have dragged me down today, that they are not going to stop me. And we are agreeing for God's purpose in our lives. I declare that through God's word, I am an overcomer. We are more than conquerors, the Bible says, that any evil formed against me will not prosper. These are all scriptures, Bible verses. It literally says that, that any evil formed against us will not prosper. That's a promise. We pray that. We agree with that in our lives. I declare that my destiny is victory. We align our lives right. And this is all in the Bible, guys. Seriously, this is why it's so important every day to have a daily time of prayer and Bible reading because we will begin to learn God's promises and what he wants in our lives. When we declare these things, we begin to act differently. So we're going to end today when we pray. If we each spend a few minutes each day in each one of these focuses, it will become, our prayer lives will become more robust. They'll become balanced. They'll become effective prayers. You'll begin to sense a, a relationship with God, and it won't be a one-sided conversation anymore. And actually, there have been studies that show this, that you really won't grow spiritually until you take ownership over your own spiritual growth. You have to learn to feed yourself as a spiritual individual, as a Christian. You have to learn to feed yourself. If all you're getting is coming to church and hearing Pastor Jared preach to you, you're always going to be stagnant in your spiritual growth. You have to learn to feed yourself on a daily basis. I mean, we can have the best worship service. We can have the best sermons in the world. But you will be stalled until you learn how to spend time with God on a personal basis. But once you start doing that and feeding yourself out of God's word, it's going to open up a brand new world to you and you'll see things differently. You have to try it. So tell me next week, okay? I want you guys to work on that challenge this week, 10 to 15 minutes. If you take these six things, if you took notes, it's literally on your page, spend a minute and a half to three minutes on each of those six elements. And before you know it, you'll have reached the 10 to 15 minutes and watch me. I want you to come back next Sunday and you tell me, I did this for seven days and tell me how your life is different. I promise you, I am willing to say, I know your life will change if you do that. Would you guys pray with me today? God, we are grateful for all that you have done. You are a good God. You, we love you. God, you have done great things and thank you for it. I want your will in my life. I want what you want for me. I want your promises fulfilled. God, I want change to happen in in my world and the life around me. So would you bring heaven to earth? God, thank you for your provision in this church. Thank you for the people in this church. Thank you for the life that you've given me and the ability to speak to them. God, I ask that you would help each one of us to to be serious about our relationship with you. Help each one of us to, to, to grow in you, to make this a priority. God, would you call us? Would you draw us to you? 
you. And I'm sorry for the things that, that I've done wrong. I'm sorry that I've, I've, I've allowed myself to want to play video games instead of spending time with you at times. I'm sorry that I'd rather listen to music on the radio than, than take time when you're calling me. God, there are people in my life who've hurt me. I release them. I'm sorry for how I hang on to frustration and, and anger and guilt towards people sometimes. God, I release those people from that. And God, I pray that you would help each one of us now to move forward this week uh, with victory. That as we spend time with you, we declare your freedom in our lives. We declare your life in us. We declare a new life, a new beginning, that we leave the old things behind and we now move forward in you. God, give us strength to move forward. Help us to experience you, to love you, to hear from you. Let let us hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. What we're going to do real quick, if we all just stand up together, we're going to just sing one, one last song together as we close out the service. I want this to be a moment of just sealing off what God has done. I know this, this message today was kind of rapid fire, and in some ways it was also um, teaching, you know. But I believe this is important. I think for us to know how to walk in a vibrant relationship with God, we've got to know how to begin to talk with Him, speak His language, and know what kind of tools we have. And so I hope that today you're able to leave with with some things that you can actually take with you. But let's declare to God this morning just, just, just to seal it. And whatever the lyrics are on the screen, let's just make it our prayer that, God, I am yours. I'm yours, and I'm just going to focus on you. I commit to just spending time with you, even if it's just five minutes. I challenge you to 10 or 15, but even if you can only start with five, it's okay. Let's just start somewhere. Let's do that together, and then we'll finish up. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.